0: Hello, unfiltered friends. Today we have on Rich Black Guy. We got connected through Gary Vee, which was interesting, and I wasn't sure what we would connect on. And then we ended up having an amazing conversation. We talk about fatherhood. We talk about race. We talk about mental health and therapy. There's going to be a lot for you to take away from this episode. I hope you enjoy it. If you do, make sure you share it. Give us a rating, a review. It helps the podcast grow. And without further ado, here is Rich Black Guy. Welcome to the Unfiltered Friends Podcast. Before we introduce you to our next friend, I want you to take a moment to think about everything that led you to where you are right now. Do you see how strong you are? Do you see how great your story is? I hope you do. And I hope you learn great lessons and get inspired by our next friend story on the Unfiltered Friends podcast. How's it going, man? <laughs> it's amazing.
1: I'm, I, you're, in, you're in mountain time, right? I am. Yeah, I, so we
0: exist, okay? Because a lot of people forget that we're here and I get it because there's not much out here but mountains, but we exist. Okay? Acknowledge oh, us. Okay.
1: That's good to know. Yeah, I'm just like this is the first time I'm talking to someone in mountain time.
0: Right. Well, I mean, like, so I'm from originally from Chicago, and some mm-hmm. uh, during the pandemic, especially if I wanted to go home, I would drive. And there's 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 really nothing there. <laughs> there's nothing. Yeah. Nebraska, Kansas, not okay. If you're from Nebraska and Kansas, I'm sorry, but it's just like a lot of open land and not a whole lot to to look at. So, <laughs> but um. I, 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 I'm, we got connected in such an interesting way. I'm still not a hundred percent sure like what they're doing. Yeah. But I had a conversation with a guy uh, named Nick Dio who works for Gary V. Yeah. I, I followed Gary for a while. I actually met Gary back when Twitter first started. Gary, who was, who taught me what Twitter was. Mm -hmm. And he just sent me a random DM. He's like, keep going CT. And I was like, huh? And then we, and then we had that conversation, uh, with me and Nick, we had like a 20 minute call and he immediately said, you need to talk to rich black guy. And I was like, what? I also didn't realize that that's your name. Rich guy is your name, which.
1: Okay. That's definitely my name, but no, I, I, I went through the similar like formula that he did. (laughs) Like he reached out to me out of nowhere in like Instagram. He was just like, keep up
0: the good work, rich. And I'm like, why the hell is Gary V reaching out to me? <laughs> <laughs> he's a hustler, man. He's yeah. he knows what he's doing I and mean, he's got like, apparently they're reaching to people all over the world and they have a whole team of which is very Gary V. So what I'm oh, what yeah. I want to discover throughout the course of this conversation is why they connected you and me.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that should be I don't know. I think that's what, yeah. I, I mean, I talked to um yeah, I had a conversation with Nick as well and I guess from what I hear they do a bunch of random stuff like anything that just sounds like they can connect things together they they do that you know they've, they've worked with a bunch of creators with a little bunch of brands mm-hmm. with like you know there's like random ideas where they're just like I think like I was drinking I was actually drinking poppy I'm drinking poppy right now with uh, Nick and he was just like are you drinking poppy oh we did a um, thing with um, them where we I forgot what it was I think they combined like some creators with some poppy with poppy or whatever and that like pretty much was just using that in, as an example of like some of the things they do so they do I, from what I hear, they do a bunch of like random stuff and they're just trying to get creators to just like keep on creating content, I guess. Well, I
0: love it. I love it. And after like learning about you, I, I have my ideas for like how we're connected. Um, but that's the purpose of this conversation. So why don't you just tell people like who you are and what exactly you do?
1: Yeah. So, um, my name is rich guy. I go by a rich black guy on all platforms. Um, I create short uh, currently i um i'm known for creating online short um comedic sketches um so like i've i have a big following i have like five million followers on tiktok i have almost four million on youtube i have like around 200 something thousand on um instagram and yeah i've been doing this for about what like
0: it's been like four years now that's but by the way bro that's amazing you know when i started on youtube 2006 and i so i'm og and you like you managed to grow really fast uh on all your platforms why do you think that is what was the formula for you that caused you to grow so rapidly
1: i mean it's it's the it's the era of shorts i guess Mm. like i feel like I, i think i was like right at the beginning of it so um i like before TikTok became a thing like i was i i i started instagram right mm-hmm. so you know um and at that during that time it was like super saturated like the only people you watch are like people like king batch or like mm. uh, you know kale pity or all these other like you know big creators or whatever like they, they pretty much took up a lot of the you know the screen market um so for when i first started um yeah it, it was really hard it was like trying to trying to hustle like I, I wanted to create comedy sketches um so I did that and then um you know I, I usually try to like um I, I have like a process in doing it. I, I create like um the script, I you know, the the characters, the props and stuff like that, and then I film it and like I, I definitely do like take the quality up as much as I can because you know, I, I just feel as though there's a market for like quality content. Mm-hmm. Um but then yeah, it's hard to grow on Instagram at that time. But then someone in TikTok um reached out to me and said, Hey, Your, um, your work would look so much better or your work would probably blow up a lot more if you start posting on TikTok and start posting your videos vertically or whatever. And like, I, I was just like, I don't want to hear about this because there was like so many other platforms, like, you know, small platforms that I was saying, oh, join my app and stuff. And, you know, yeah,
0: you get those messages all the time. You're like, uh uh-huh. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I get, I get them a lot. So, um, but then, then I hear from Gary V saying, you know, (laughs) Hopped in, like, like, this is this is the new platform. I, like, I swear it's going to blow up. And, you know, and then, you know, I, from here, like, I, I know that, like, Gary V, he has that merit, you know, that merit of just, like, understanding how the market is going, the trends and stuff. And, like, like a lot of times he's actually right. So, you know, I decided to just um, jump in and, like, upload some of my content there. And then out of nowhere, like, I got, like, I had got, like, 10,000 followers in, like, the first week or so, you know. Mm. And I uploaded like only three videos and I thought that was freaking amazing, you know, cuz it was hard to get 10,000 followers. It took me it took me like months to get 10,000 followers on like Instagram, you know.
0: It's a much different grind. I feel like the the boundary for followers on TikTok is much lower than pretty much any other platforms. Like your 4 million on right. YouTube is like 50 times more impressive than your 5 million on tiktok because i feel like on youtube it's much much harder to grow but maybe because i haven't been involved with the shorts era that that could be incorrect
1: i would say that too like yeah i think that it's also shorts that blew me up there um i think what they done was they can like i started uploading my videos on tiktok moving it get into youtube and then um, they converted my YouTube videos into shorts just because it had the same like, you know, vertical frame, you know, and then, yeah, they just like blew it up. And that's how I got and Yeah, yeah. I guess it's impressive that like, wow, I got like 4 million followers on YouTube. But at the same time, like all of that stuff is like, you know, I don't, don't want to fluff it up and say that. Oh, yeah, I'm so freaking awesome. I, I still think that like it's still like vanity numbers to me, you know, because they're, they're not there's no ad revenue behind, you know, my uh my following at the moment until february i guess that's when the monetization will start taking in and i want to see how that's going to go
0: for um, for shorts yeah for shorts. Ooh, maybe because yeah. i have i still have my channel it's got like 400 000 subscribers but i haven't uploaded on it in <laughs> i think three times in the last like five years so oh, wow. i'd be curious to see uh serious see how how that would go yeah i look, a, I look no, at i look at a lot i look at a lot of your your sketches. And while it's humorous, it seems to touch on some very serious topics. Does that ring true for you? Mm, yes. So yes. is what's the inspiration behind taking these like tough subjects, but putting a comedic twist on it.
1: I feel like people take humor a lot easier than they take like direct information or they, they the direct responses to an answer. And that's how I approach things. Um, so like, especially like, one of the reasons why I blew up so much is because I created this video about like COVID Mm -hmm. um, and how this was a time where like the vaccine came out and a lot of people were like skeptical about it. They're like, Oh no, don't, because you know, it's not really FDA approved and all this other stuff. And you know, so there was that, like that back and forth or whatever. And like, it's like trying to think of a way to create a video that communicates to both sides. Mm. Um, So like, yeah. so like, I created a video and I just thought like, you know, what if, like, I understand that it's scary to take a vaccine at that time because you don't know what's in it or whatever, and it was, like, rushed. But, like, what if there was, like, some guy who's just, like, screw it, I'm going to take all five vaccines and see what happens or whatever, and he ends up becoming this superpower villain, mm-hmm. and he just starts going, like, crazy or whatever. And that received, like, a lot of, like, you know, it, it received a lot of, like, positive, um, like, feedback on, like, both sides, you know, and it was just, like, kind of great to see that. But I think, yeah, my, my inspiration or, like, what my drive in, in like creating content like that is because like i think it's like my way of expressing my feelings about like political issues like that you know like i i I see things in two sides like political wise like you know like like any issues that people talk about especially when it comes to like you know racism when it comes to like religion and stuff like that i think that there's always two sides to like every situation and it's about like trying to trying to like decipher both you know mm-hmm. trying to see what the real problem is because i don't think it, it like problems are as black and white i think there's a lot of gray in between
0: yeah so it's pretty like it's pretty polarizing i always had this theory that the reason that it's so much more polarizing now is because ideas are no longer ideas ideas are, are identities so when you attack mm-hmm. that idea it's like you're attacking them at their core how yeah. how do you How do you, because you obviously have your own view, personal viewpoints on things. How do you maintain kind of like a larger vision on both sides of the issue? Like what got you to that point where you had the ability to do that? Because not, it's kind of like at this point, people want you to pick one side or or another. And I'm sure you face that pressure. How do you avoid doing that?
1: Um, It's. I'd say it's a lot of empathy. I mean, yes, it's very hard. It's very hard to see. I mean, I think it's experienced through like people that you have arguments with. So for me, I have like, I have a child. I also have, I'm also like co-parenting or whatever. And that's a major part of like who I am is that like I'm a co-parent. So I know that like my my son's mother and I, we we get into like times where we like clash a lot, Mm -hmm. you know? but we also both know that we love our kid together it's just that we have different approaches of how we want to raise him you know mm. so it's like it's very hard to kind of think that like you have this mindset of how how things should go like what makes sense what's right and what's not right and then when you have someone else that has a completely different side of it it's just like that that's when arguments happen that's when arguments clash or whatever but like yeah it's about learning how to listen and learning how to like put your i guess ego and your thoughts aside and trying to understand where they're coming from you know mm-hmm. and so you know it, i think it's like adapting that same mindset to every single other situation that's going on like i don't think that there's like heroes and villains i just think that there's two different two different upbringings and two different ways of how they handle life you know mm-hmm. and as long as i have that in my mind i think that's pretty much how i approach everything
0: yeah we call that don't don't shit all over people you know? Yes, exactly. you know, like you're, you saying you should do this or you should be, this is someone putting their value system on somebody else. But like, how, like I'm still, I'm still, I want to dive a little deeper on that because some, that mindset comes from somewhere. Where did that mindset come? Like, were you just naturally born that way? Was it fostered within you? Like, how did this happen? Because it's so polarizing right now. And I, I'm really, I'm really like impressed with your ability to do that. And I want people to take a lesson from it. I mean, I guess it's like, I'm surprised not a lot of people think this way, you know? Same. In fact, now, I now like, you know how I said I want to answer the question? We have, I don't do it as nuanced as you do, 100%. And that's something I'm working on within myself. But I meet people with empathy. And I, like, if you want to do something, say something political, like uh, Trump, you know, a lot of people don't like Trump. But what I also understand is that Trump at one point was a kid, a kid who Mm -hmm. was abused. And like, while I don't excuse his behaviors, I also try to meet him with empathy from where that attitude probably came from.
1: Yeah. I'm going to say this. With Trump, that's the most challenging thing that I'm trying to like wrap my Okay. Mind. Okay. Go ahead. Now, Get into like, it. Like, hard me to kind of le- empathize where, well, I kind of do. I kind of, I mean, but at the same time, it's like, th- th- there's still not enough. Like, there's a lot of like, emotional background with like Trump supporters and stuff and how they see Trump. Like, I don't think that they're evil or trying to be evil, but I think that's just like, there's this representation that I think needs a little bit more like intelligent behind, but I think they're kind of like just being driven by feeling, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, I think being like, like, like Trump is like one of those um, subjects where I'm, I'm still trying to figure out what, like that side or like trying trying to figure out why are you voting for this guy or whatever like even when you're trying to watch like the debate and you're just being like look i just want to be convinced on i want i want maybe there's something that i'm missing from this guy that maybe that like i don't know what that everyone sees that i don't see so i'm going to try to like you know be open-minded but then when you hear him it's just like it's just so much
0: but the (laughs) fact that you would take that effort is yeah. is uh more than most people would do. To be clear, I am not a fan either and it's hard to listen to him talk, but yeah. I'm kind of of the mindset if we're going to if we're going to exist on this planet with these people, I'm going to do my best to try to understand what is <laughs> what is happening because uh, just entrenching yourself in in one mindset and, and casting away everyone else, it, it makes you just as closed off as a lot of the people that you criticize, you know? Yeah. So what, yeah. what subject matters are important to you when it comes to covering that? Like, w- like at your core, when you want to talk about things, what are those important things to you?
1: Oh, um, are you talking about just like, like everything in general, like some of the things that like are core to me in terms of, yeah, just why don't like, we just dive into you? Let's
0: separate content yeah, for sure. right now. Let's just dive into you. Like, what are the things that are important to you?
1: Ooh, that is a very, um, that's very deep. <laughs> I would say,
0: welcome to my podcast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I would say this family is a lot, is very, very important to me. I think that connections is very, um, Like connections, like friends, loved ones and stuff. I think they are so important to me that it makes like these world events very like minute, you know? So I know that like where there's like there's a lot of like racism that's being talked about in this world. You know, there's like, oh, you know, police brutality. There's like, you know, white versus black. There's like Latino horizontal racism, all this other stuff. Um, And for me, yeah.
0: Horizontal racism.
1: I guess that's the word that I started using a lot. So it's basically this idea of like minorities being racist against other minorities. I hope I'm using the word correctly.
0: Like parallel me? Ma- uh, I, I, yeah, I, I, hear what, like, I hear what you're saying. Are you talking about infighting or are you talking about different marginalized groups against each other?
1: Yes. Yes. Different marginalized groups against each other. Yeah. So like and we see a lot. Sometimes we see it in like, you know, um, sometimes we see like discrimination between like blacks and Asians or blacks and um Hispanics and stuff like that you know mm-hmm. um but like basically what I'm talking about like there's all these like things that are going on in the world that like for me I don't really it's, it's like I'm trying to I'm trying to relate you know cuz for me like I come from a background where I have like friends of many different like cultures many different like backgrounds many different to a point where like um sometimes I kind of forget that they are like a different race or it's just it's just so comfortable that like you know we're just completely different races and sometimes we just joke about it you know mm-hmm. um so, you know and then but to, to look on the outside it seems as though like people are just like stepping on eggshells whenever they talk to like people of different races oh, and, yeah. or different cultures and it's just kind of weird it, it's just very very weird to me and that's why and that's one of the reasons why my name is also rich black guy as well is because like i mean i'm not saying everyone to call me rich black guy at the same time but don't like it's like obvious that i'm, I'm black you know yes um and it's like it's it's something to kind of like make people feel comfortable. I mean, of course it's kind of like uncomfortable to say that my name is Richard black guy, but at the same time, it's like, don't like, can we not like beat around the bushes and pretend that we are like, you know, you're white, I'm black. I'm like, you know, like, yeah, it's it's just kind of like, there's this, there's a sense of, um, is there's this weird sense of everyone stepping on eggshells nowadays and people don't want to be canceled. People don't want to like offend people. And for me, I'm just feel like in, in order to connect with people, you need to feel like the sense of, comfort between us, yeah. you know, and and it's like like putting your guard down and just kind of like hearing each other and where people are coming from. And I think a lot of people are like the public doesn't do that
0: enough. Yeah, I mean, it's dangerous because uh, like while you have this like wonderfully open mindset and you want to bring people together, a lot of people don't. And uh, like say someone who looks like me enters that conversation with a person who's not going to receive it, it can go really wrong for you. Um, Mm -hmm. even if you're like, what I, what I find is like, we're, there's not a whole lot of room for any mistakes at all. Mm -hmm. Um, even mistakes. I mean, I, like I said, before we got started, like I've been on YouTube since 2006 and a bunch of my like, YouTube friends were getting canceled over content that they made you know, 10 years ago, and it's still, it's a problem. It was a problem back Mm -hmm. then, but it was also a different environment back then. So it's like hard to know where the line is there where it's like, okay, I don't believe that anymore. Acknowledge that it was wrong, but there doesn't seem to be a path for growth at this point. Mm -hmm. It seems to be about, you did something wrong, you need to go. And I don't yeah. know how that breeds any sort of um, successful coexistence amongst people.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and I think maybe that's the reason why I decided to go- do comedy. Because for some reason, I can kind of like, I obviously know that I'm joking. Or at least I, like, I, I, like, I'm like i trying to come from a place where like, people need to like, read in between the lines that like, you know, obviously, this is just a sketch. Obviously, I'm just like, you know, there's some deeper meaning behind what, whatever I'm saying or whatever um but yeah like i could see how there, there's a lot of like content creators and who you know they're in they're in positions or they're in like industries within social media that like it, it is very touchy it is very touchy um to just like <laughs> i don't know um but yeah it, it, it's kind of hard to kind of get there but i, I just hope that like I'm just hoping that we eventually get to that point where we can start being a little bit more open and trying to figure out, like, what's really going on in this, uh, like, what's really going on in Hedge or, like, why do we feel angry towards, like, a specific subject? Like, is it because, like, we have a power trip of wanting to just cancel people or is it, like, deep down we care about this specific subject? You know, because there's also many different ways to handle that, that um, those situations. It's not about canceling, but it's also, like, if anything, we should be more uh, focused on informing people on, like, how we should approach them a certain subject
0: have you done have you done therapy
1: oh yeah i have
0: yes yeah and i think that's probably an element of it too like i think people have uh, have triggers about certain subject matters and understandably so because they've had experiences connected to those triggers that will cause them to have an emotional reaction Um, Yeah. And do people actually get canceled either? I don't think people get canceled. I think people get yelled at for a few weeks. I mean, some people do get removed. And I feel like the Mm -hmm. people who actually get removed were legitimately problematic and needed to go away. Like the Harvey Weinsteins of the world, like that level of stuff, 100%. Yeah. but i don't actually see any correction happening like in fact i think it almost makes people more entrenched in their ideas because there was no back and forth like think about it if i came up to you and tried to and 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 dogpiled on you with all of my friends would you be receptive to growth oh hell no i wouldn't no no but i can't say like me personally i can't lead that conversation as a white person i can't yeah i can yeah. but my life will be absolute hell So it's, so I, I appreciate you trying to lead the conversation, but I did see, I mean, you do comedy stuff, but I did see that post you had on Instagram where you're talking about where you feel like you as a black creator are not involved with initiatives for black creators. Can you talk a little Mm -hmm. bit about that?
1: Oh yeah. So yeah, for me, this goes into the thought of like, you know, I'd say it takes energy to rationalize a situation, right? But also, I'm also a human being, you know? So whenever something happens and you, like, look forward to it, of course you're going to have some, or, and then things don't go your way, you're going to have a reaction. For me, I felt like, so, yeah, um, this has to do with, I mean, this has to do with a lot of, like, funding programs that I, like, applied for and I just didn't get accepted. And I think, like, with the, so this has to do with, like, the YouTube Black uh, uh, Voices Fund that just they just, like, announce all the um, creators. Um, and for me, I felt like, I felt like I I gave a lot. I felt like I've been to their like events. Um, I did like a panels with them. I've, you know, uh, connected with like the, the partners, uh, programs or the partner managers or whatever. And I felt like I did everything, but like then getting the news that I didn't like make it, it's kind of like a, you know, like a kick in the face, I guess, Mm -hmm. you know, to me. Um, And like, you know, of course, like the rational thought is that like, um there are thousands and thousands of other black careers that uh, that um that applied for this uh position so you know it just so happens that like you weren't one of them or whatever and i, I guess i get that um and uh i don't know I, I to me it's just like a little bit of just me being salty mm. uh, but i think internally it's also just like you know, like, like, especially with the fact that like, like I mentioned, like there's, a, I, I gained a lot of views, a lot of followers on YouTube, but I'm not getting like any like ad revenue from that. You know, yes. like I have 4 million subscribers on YouTube, but the person that made that got 4 million subscribers on YouTube, like two, three years ago before did like, they're probably living in LA in a, in a freaking, you know, mansion or some the crap money like is that, you
0: know? very different. Well, are you getting majority of your followers from short form?
1: Uh yes yes the majority from my YouTube is coming from shorts yeah long. and it's when hard. I try to long, yeah and right now the algorithm is very terrible so like I'm trying to create like l- I try to create long form content and it doesn't get as much like push as my shorts mm-hmm. so you know I'm hoping for that for the monetization that kicks in like the ad monetization to kick in February for the like I'll hopefully I'll get like a significant amount from that so I'm, I, right now I'm like um, looking at my analytics I get like thirty to 30 to 80 million views a month. Yeah. So I'm hoping that actually like, makes
0: sense because on on youtube that could i mean because the money on tiktok is a a joke i think i got like 20 million views in a day and i made like 47 dollars or something like that Mm, it was ridiculous so what i did with tiktok as i started to blow up is i always went live and then directed them to places where i could monetize them so as i rose Mm. even though the money wasn't on tiktok um, i was taking them places where it was more easily monetizable so maybe that could be a technique that could help you figure out where that space is for them and then the money Money comes in from when they can monetize shorts.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I try to do that too, but it also seems as though from my experience with the algorithm that like it, uh, like when I try to tell them to go to this page or buy my merch or something like that, that's when the, the views go like flat. (laughs) <laughs> yep and just like okay i think maybe it has something to do with like them getting out of the platform that's 100
0: like, what it, you have to do so man even back in the day when um before before tiktok before instagram was really like a huge thing i would promote my youtube videos on Facebook, Facebook, all these Mm. platforms don't want you to leave the platform. They're about retention. So what I would have to do was take the thumbnail from the video, upload it onto Facebook and then put the link in the first comment so that Mm. Facebook thought it was a native photo to Facebook. Yeah. So you You have
1: to like shoot the algorithm. Yeah. (laughs) It's annoying. Yeah. Um, But, um, no, no, but going back to like the whole, um, like, feeling of just being like not not being accepted exep- accepted into like black programs i think that's something that that i deal with internally mm. as well um, And i'm pretty sure that's something that probably they didn't mean to or whatever but that's something that i deal with because like for me like growing up i'm not like uh within the black culture i'm not like the i'm not i i guess i don't carry myself like how a like how the black cult- culture is or whatever like i feel like a it's kind of weird. this is kind of weird to talk about it, <laughs> but like I feel like I'm in like I, I feel like a the dem- I feel like a domesticated dog in a pack of wolves where it just feels as though like I'm I don't feel like I'm like connect like I don't feel like like even though I want to connect mm-hmm. it feels as though I'm not I'm I'm different I feel like because I carry myself differently that if there's this sense of like separation and yes. it's just like am I am I not black enough for for y'all you know mm-hmm. yeah. it's because the way I talk is because I talk. Properly, that's why I'm not, you know, accepted into the community or something like this that. Like that's r- kind of like-
0: it's really common to hear this, especially because you're half black, half Filipino, right? Yes, Do you yes, think yes. that plays into it too, being not, not a, not um, I, possibly? I don't know how to say that. With I'm trying not to get in trouble here. Um, like, <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I'm not worried about you. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta tread lightly <laughs> like, yeah. here. I, I'm trying to have this conversation because I hear it so often from people it's, it's, um, my understanding from talking to like, cause I have a lot of, uh, black people in my, in my community and I was having this discussion with them. And basically mm-hmm. what they said was because, because you, you, uh, didn't, they, they feel like you haven't experienced the same level of struggle. Therefore you aren't black enough. Does that feel accurate?
1: I would say that could probably play a big part in it. Yeah, I would say that because, um, like, you know, I, for me, I feel like I had my struggles in my di- in different ways, you know, mm-hmm. and I understand like the the struggle that we hear about, like, you know, the black community and stuff. Um, but I, but it's also I'll i say this: I did grow up in like in, in in like hard areas, you know. I um um I grew up in like the I mean I grew up in Ocean City in Oceanside california but like in there's like the, the rough part of ocean science yes. or whatever um i also like moved to maryland and i lived in like pg area which is also known to be like part of like the rough kind of area or whatever but i would also say that like i it's it's like the way i carry myself there is completely different from like my peers like i, I just remember back in like high school and it's just like certain things that people talk about and stuff and like you know um or or the, the things i don't know like it just feels as though there's this there's this difference, you know? And, I, and I'm and i aware, there, there was also situations where I were I was also stopped by cops. And like, you know, it's, I, I do go through these things, but at the same time, I, I think there's just like this, I I, I guess I'm, I look at it differently or I, I don't know how to explain it. I don't know how to well, really explain it. What kind of it, but-
0: commentary are you getting from people within the black community? Have you had people say things to you directly? Or is it just like an overall sense or a feeling?
1: Um, I would say it's a little bit of both. Maybe it's all—it's that sense that, like, maybe I—I I, I, for some reason I'm not—I don't feel connected, or but it's also like you know, this this—I think it ties into childhood issues. I think mm. we're getting back into the therapy. Well, but it's let's like, go. I, <laughs> so back in the day, I used to get like you know made fun of a lot because like I talk white. I think that like, and I I've realized like when I posted that story on my um on my Instagram, like a lot of other like um uh black people like reached out to me and told me like, look, I'm going, I go through the same thing. Like, you know, back in the day, uh, people used to make fun of me because I speak properly. But I also think that that like, in my mindset, I think that that's also inhibiting, you know, like, I think it's okay. If you know how to speak properly, if you, if you know how to, like, you sound like you actually read books and stuff like that, there's nothing wrong with that. But it's like, it's like, you feel a sense of discrimination within the communicate be- because you don't speak, you don't use is slang that, as much as is, I've
0: heard the term AAVE. Uh, Like African-American vernacular English. Have you heard Mm. that Mm. phrase before? I think it's, I I feel like it's what used to be known as Ebonics. Mm. Um, So maybe, Uh maybe if you're not adapting to a, because I see a lot of criticism from um, black people on on TikTok, especially where white people are utilizing verbiage that is more common in the black community. And they say like, nice use of AAVE. And that's the way I see them attack oh, yeah. Attack! that. So I was wondering if yeah. you would had that. Uh, that sounds like you were experiencing something similar in that way.
1: Yeah. I think, I think it's like, it's like feeling like looking down upon me because I don't use that vernacular. And whenever I try to use that vernacular, it's just like, it's just, it's just not me. It's not like I'm trying to It's not like I'm trying to be white. It's just like this is how I naturally talk. Yeah, you know. Um, And then, but yeah, like it's funny. It's like on the other side of things too. It's just like I remember Aquafina. Like they tried to cancel Aquafina because of the way she. Who's who's Aquafina? So Aquafina is this Asian. My brain went water. So
0: (laughs) I was like, wait, they try to cancel water?
1: (laughs) Well, she, she got her name. I think she got her name from like the the water. Yeah. Uh, bottle or whatever but so she's this asian actress um she oops sorry i'm burping okay so she went on you know she has a show on comedy central called like Nora from queens um she also has um she's been on a lot of things she was in crazy rich asians you know that movie yeah okay and then she was also on she was also on shang chi um she was the girl in um shang chi i'm not too sure if you watch uh shang chi but um but yeah, no, no, She she's known to be like a comedian or whatever, but she also speaks in that AAVE kind of, um, uh, you know, way of, of, of speaking or whatever that yeah. got a lot of people to, especially in the black community to think that like, oh, she pretended to speak black in order to come off as though she's funny or whatever. Oh, and that's yeah, really yeah. why like, you know, a lot of people tried to cancel her or whatever. Um,
0: and I don't know. <laughs> it's tough, man, because you're, you're trying to like appease a bunch of people who have like, wow, people might be connected by race. People also have very much individualistic ideas and experiences. So it's like hard. It's, I think you just do your best not to be a horrible person, but regardless, and you realize this is someone with a large platform as well as I, that no matter what you say, people are going to get, some people are going to get angry. Mm-hmm. Um there was a book that I read called Um Letting Go, A Path to Surrender. It's a great mm-hmm. book. And one of the things that it talks about is it's when it talks about people exploding like that, it's like people are like pressure cookers waiting for an event to allow them to release. So mm-hmm. it's uh what I what I don't I don't have the answer for this, but getting to the source of where that buildup starts. Um, will really serve people and you probably have an element of that with you know you going to therapy when I asked you like do you go to therapy or it was immediate oh yeah how long have you done really? therapy what kind of stuff were you what made you go because especially um, men but, we don't go and but we oh, but you yeah. and I go no. <laughs> so
1: I am a big that's why I'm like I'm a big advocate of like like, like everyone going to like therapy. I feel as though there's a lot of people who think that, Oh, I don't need to go to therapy. I'm a good, no, you, you probably, the people who say that they don't need to go to therapy probably need to go to freaking therapy. You know,
0: it's like, it's just getting tools. Like you don't have people. I think people associate going to therapy with being broken,
1: but Mm -hmm. going to therapy
0: is just learning how to navigate the world with the proper tools to be a successful human, learning how to deal with your personal experiences. So I'm curious what your personal experiences were that, that inspired you to go.
1: Yeah. Um, so for me, this was a time when I was raising my son at like the age of, when, how old was he? He was around like two, mm-hmm. three. And I was going through like a lot of hardships. I was going through a lot of like financial hardships. I, w- I was in college. I was, um, you know, um, hardships in terms of relationships, hardships in terms of family and stuff that, and um, so I, I felt like I was kind of like really, really pushed to the, to the like, you know, edge. And I just felt like, you know, it it was just like, I felt like I need to get my mind right. Um, it was like, everything was just triggering. Everything was just like, I was like emotionally unstable. I'll say that. And I don't know. I, I just got to this point where I just thought that maybe I should try therapy. Mm. I forgot how I decided to get into that point. I think I started reading books. I started reading books on, um, on just like emotional intelligence Mm. and stuff. And then, um, yeah, it made me, uh, think that okay let me go ahead and reach out to someone so i found this woman that reminded me of um Tracy Ellis Ross i don't know if you know who she is um but like she's just a she's just fu- this funny black woman that just seems as she's also very very inspiring but um so she, she it was like my so my therapist looked like her and she just seemed approachable so then i had conversation with her and i realized that like a lot of my healing a lot of my mental healing comes from just literally having having someone listen to you you know, like she barely needed to say anything. All she does just like, all she was just helping me ma- navigate my thoughts and like, you know, see where my pain lies and see how I can figure out like my issues on my own, you know? And I think that's how a lot of, that's how people try to, I think that's how people find happiness, you know? Um, whenever we're like, and the difference between like talking to a therapist and talking to a friend is that like, sometimes a friend will give you advice based off of the little that they know that you, they've given you. But with a therapist, like they. They try to make you figure it out yourself,
0: you know? And a lot of friends will, will one try to, I'm not one of those friends, but I know plenty of people who will just tell you what will make you feel better instead of what's going to help you. But then they also project their own struggles onto yours, which could complicate things. So like the therapist is there to just ask, because actually this I have the word listen, tattooed in my grandmother's mm. handwriting. Mm. And she was yeah. like, she told, this is a lesson that I told her that she passed on to me when she was about to pass away. And she's, it, the lesson was the best, like a lot of times when people come to you looking for advice, they really just want someone to listen. And it's amazing exactly. how much silence will help people. Cause it's just like, sometimes you just need someone to bounce it off of and hear it. Yeah. Cause you're processing yeah. it outside of your your own mind.
1: Yeah. And it changed, it even changed my way of just like listening to like my friends or even my wife or anyone. It's just like, I am I just literally take the time to just have an interest in hearing what they have to say. And what's interesting is that when you barely say anything, and it's just more so like sometimes just repeating back what they say, or just like, you know, having this genuine, like, like you're just genuinely empathizing with them. They will talk for hours and hours and hours. And, and I think that's the thing that people want. They just want someone to be able to listen to them or someone to just, understand yes. them you know um but yeah therapy is a very very beautiful thing and i encourage like everyone to even if it's like you don't even need to have like deep like childhood trauma problems it's just like even something like like oh i'm not comfortable in my job what should i do like that's that's definitely therapy worthy you
0: know yeah i mean like oh. I, it was really wild because i I started going to therapy so i'm 40 I started going to therapy when I was like 38. So this is like a pretty recent thing for me. And it's wild as someone who is almost 40 years old talking about a middle school talent show that I was in. Like, but that stuff <laughs> stays with <laughs> you if you don't deal oh, with it. Does. It's like your yes. your life gets like heavier and heavier the more you burden yourself and don't release those things. Yeah, And then that bleeds into all of your other relationships. Oh, yeah, You know, I wanted yeah. to give these relationships a chance by healing my own wounds so that I could give those relationships a chance. It wasn't that I was broken. I just had some rough experiences.
1: Yes. And it's, yeah, it is kind of crazy to realize how like the, the, the things that happen like 10, 20, like childhood, uh, like moments. Yeah. They definitely like change the way you just perceive like things like, so for me, um, I've always had anxiety of, Looking stupid or like saying something stupid. I think that's why I have like I also have a sense of social anxiety or whatever and I think what like that stems from is like childhood moments where like especially in in my family um, where like my brothers and my parents sometimes like call me stupid because of like I don't know like for example uh the remote like like oh can you try to get the remote for me i i don't know where the remote is and it like took me a while and then they're just they just p- finally pointing at it and they're like there you there it is stupid or whatever and you know it 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 just builds a sense of anxiety that it's like i need to prove that i'm not stupid i need mm-hmm. to prove that i'm not like you know and then the, the, but then you take that kind of those moments and then you just start to realize that like it it stems or you take that root, and then it starts to like you know um uh Grow into like just many different uh, places in your life. Like when it comes to like just having a conversation with another girl or having a conversation with, I don't know, somewhere where they are testing your intelligence, you just start to have this sense of anxiety or whatever. But I don't know. Like, it, yeah, you, you can figure all that out in, in therapy.
0: When those things, when those things, like when that root happens, then your brain starts looking for it. And then yeah. what happens when your brain starts looking for it is it will make it where sometimes it doesn't exist. And then basically validate itself over and over again. There will be some experiences that do, but then you're also looking beyond those experiences. So it's kind of like if you put sunglasses on, the world is tinted. So imagine those Mm -hmm. sunglasses were your trauma. You're going to view the Mm -hmm. whole world like that. And so being able to remove those sunglasses to have a a clear vision of the world uh, is... It's a wonderful thing, man. I'm so much calmer now. I used to be just like, and like the social anxiety (laughs) I got from working in clubs, actually. Yeah. So when when I used to bartend at clubs in LA and you essentially become a bouncer, it's really like you don't really have a choice because sometimes security can't come help you. So now to this day that when I get shoulder to shoulder, that's when fights break out. That's what my Mm -hmm. brain goes. So, you know, fight or flight, I'm fight. So I have to spend all my time. So I don't go to concerts anymore, man. It's rough. Mm -hmm. But like, it's just like those things stay with you. And it's, if you have the ability to get access to it, it's so important to do so.
1: And you- Yes, definitely. I mean, looking back at like 10 years ago, I am a completely different person. I'm a lot more, I mean, I guess you could tell that I'm very, very calm. Back in the day, I used to have like a lot of anger issues. I used to like, just like, blow up what would set you off you were like, what
0: were the things that set you off
1: what were i don't know sometimes it's just like whenever things just get overwhelming um mm. whenever like okay i have school i have my kid i have like i need to pay rent or something like that i mean i guess those are things to really like to definitely get stressed about but i was like it gets a point where like i don't want to talk to someone and if someone talks to me then i'm gonna just like explode or whatever mm-hmm. you know um so i think i if anything yeah i've, I've learned how to handle my anxiety more. I learned how to handle myself under pressure a lot more, you know? And
0: so you, um, so you started therapy like 10 years ago?
1: Uh, when did I start? Yeah. Like early. Yeah. in my, right now I'm, I'm 33. Uh, yeah. When I was like 23, 24. And yeah.
0: how old is your son?
1: My son is uh 13. So you had right your now. son pretty young. Yeah. I had him when I was like, I had him like in the beginning of college.
0: Yeah. Do you feel like maybe that was partially a catalyst for you going and seeking therapy?
1: Oh yes. I think it was definitely like I, at that. So when I had my kid, I felt like I, my maturity escalated like rapidly that I, cause I, I felt like everything that I do, I need to make sure that I put him first. And you're the, you're um, the
0: example now that he follows. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, Yeah. So like, and I think like, I think that also stems from like when I grew up and like, I love my dad too, but I will say that my dad is not not perfect, you know? Um, Same thing with like my brothers, they have kids too. And like, I think I just had this thought that like, I want to make sure that I want to be like a role model for or like, I have a definition of what a parent should be. And I want to make sure that I fit that, like, you know, that, that definition. And one of the things is like, I want to make sure that like, I am in a good mental space to be able to take care of him. Mm -hmm. And you know, like I, I felt like, um, yeah, during that time uh, when things were just very, very overwhelming, I it, it was I, I, like looking back, I felt like that was a, such a uh, mature decision for me to actually put myself into uh, therapy because I, I just knew that like I need to get through this. I know that I need to like feed my kid. I need to raise him to become like you know a great person. And yeah, like I'm just I'm just happy that I I I made that choice. It's kind of crazy to really think about,
0: you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The things that I've done, you know. Um, so, what has being a uh, so what has being a dad taught you about yourself? Mm, what has a dad taught me about? Repeat that question again. Has there been like I'm curious, like because I'm not a dad, so I don't know how this works. Yeah. And you had a major shift in your mindset, obviously, because mm-hmm. when you have a child, because your focus is on that child. And yeah. I've actually, um, been, uh, like I did an interview with a 12 year old, which was very interesting. I mean, she was, mm. she was, uh, she, she was really popular on vine. Um, yeah. so like she, she knows this world, but like, I feel like talking to kids or being around kids teaches you a lot of things about the way we view things as an adult. And I'm wondering mm. your interactions with your son, how that's shifted your mindset or viewpoint on things. Hmm.
1: I will, So I always refer back, whenever I have a conversation with my kid or how I'm raising my kid, I always refer back to when I was um his age. Mm-hmm. And when I was his, and there's this like, like kids are not stupid. Kids are actually really, really smart. Super smart. Um, yeah, yeah. My kid is extremely like. I'm not here trying to toot my own horn or, or trying to be like, be biased, but he's actually a really, really smart kid. You did a good job, so, dad.
0: Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, but that's the thing. Well, so raising Christian to, or that's my son, he, or he, his name is Richard Christian guy. Um, but um, I, I just call him Christian. Uh, it's I'm blessed because I've seen very, very terrible kids, like very, very terrible. But, but for him, like, I'm just blessed to to have, to raise him because it wasn't, hard for, it wasn't really that hard for me like he, he had a really great mindset he, in fact he was a lot more rational he is a lot more rational than me he, he is a lot more like emotionally like stable than me and i are not gonna think give yourself the, any credit for that what i will come on man I would, I would but it's also like i don't know like like it, it's it's really hard to explain like if you ever talk to him you'll kind of understand you'll be like
0: I feel like, it's, it's, I feel like there's like a natural, like I was definitely like a really like kind and like empathetic kid growing up, but there's also an aspect of nurture there. Like he had your mm-hmm. mindset that a lot of kids don't have that emotional intelligence, that empathy, that ability to look beyond and see the bigger picture. Like you got to give yourself mm-hmm. some credit for that, man.
1: I would, I, w- and I should, I should give myself credit, but I'm also like looking back at like when me and my brothers were raised, I am completely different from my two brothers. Um, yeah, like if you were to speak to me and then speak to my brother, you'd be like, are they act like they they look the same, but they don't seem (laughs) the same kind of person or whatever. So, but we were both raised, we were all all three of us were raised in the same household. How did I turn out to become the way I am? But my other two brothers, like, I feel like there's a, there's a combination of nurture and also I guess Nature. nature. Yeah. Yeah um and with him i feel as though it like sometimes i even cuss i sometimes i cuss in front of them I, I, in fact I, I, i'm i mean he's 13 years old now so like I, I i don't really give a damn but he still doesn't cuss like he's very very prude and i'm like i'm not even even his mother his mother is not even like as like prude or whatever but it's just like it's an in, in innate in him like that's just how he is and i just it doesn't doesn't make any sense to me you know
0: mm-hmm. and it translates to um, the content that you guys make together too Does he, do you guys you love making content with him
1: oh yeah oh yeah yeah i love making i mean at, at this point too like he's like a teenager now so he's just kind of like in this like i don't know if i, I mean he, he, he we just filmed something like this past weekend or whatever but like he's also focused on like his friends he's also focused on basketball um <laughs> uh but what was i gonna say but yeah um one of the things I've learned about, like, raising Christian or raising my, my son is that, like, it's not about, like, like, I've seen a lot of parents and they tend to just, like, play the parenting role that, like, um that, that we see in TV or something like that. Or that, like, that our parents taught us is that, like, you have to punish them for whatever or whatever. Just, like, you know? like
0: disciplinarian or, authority figure is, like, the main role exactly exactly and just like no or even like the the
1: types of punishment so for me i know i like make videos about like spanking my kid i'd never touch christian or like 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 i never um like hit him before or anything like that at the same time i do not like condone people who believe in spanking their kids or whatever um but i also believe that there's a certain kind of tool like like i feel i feel like it should be treated as a tool you know Mm -hmm. like um i feel as though there are a lot of situations where you can, that, that you can talk to them. You can it, it, like this. It's like a, it's a lesson to, for like whenever something wrong happens, let's just say that they got mad or something like that. It's something that they have to, you have to converse with them about, like set them to the side and talk to them more. But you know, um, but there's, there's also situations where like they can cross the boundary of like parent and child. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I'm here as a parent. I'm here to take care of you. I'm here to like, you know, um to house you, to clothe you and stuff, but then, like, for you to either take advantage of that or to, like, abuse, like, or see how far you can go, there needs to be some sense of, like, you know, um, some sense of, like, punishment. It doesn't need to be, like, physical punishment, but something to, like, let them understand that, like, I am the parent and, like, you know, I love you, I care about you, but there needs to, there does need to be some sense of boundaries as to, like, what you shouldn't be doing because, you know. um, But... That's a, that's another discussion for,
0: <laughs> I mean, you want to create, you, you want to create those boundaries, but you also want to create an autonomous human being that can make decisions and do critical thinking. Yeah. And if you just, I can't, man, like I got, I got spanked as a kid. I don't know what your situation was, but like, okay. My aunt beat as a kid. It's it, it's really interesting. Like I had um. So when my uh. So not this grandmother, but my other grandma. She died last year, and we mm-hmm. went down to the house that my mom grew up in, because uh, my grandma got buried next to my grandfather, and it was really interesting. The uh, I got a real vision of the break in uh, generational trauma because there was a tree in their backyard. And I associate that tree with, I climbed up it when I was 10 and I grabbed a dead branch and I fell and I broke both bones in my wrist and I got concussed. Mm. But my mom remembers going to that tree and grabbing a switch so that she could get whipped with it. And it's, it's pretty, it's pretty uh, beautiful watching a parent change that narrative even though they because it's so much easier to say i went through this therefore you go through this and pass it down that generational trauma or mindset but mm-hmm. it was a conscious choice on the mm-hmm. behalf of both of my parents to not pass that on to me and to do it differently and were they perfect no but yeah. they did and they did so much better than their parents from my perspective mm-hmm. and that's um i feel like that's a goal
1: yeah, and I think that's what, like, we, that's how, what I think, how it should go when it comes to, like, you know, for each generation is that we're just learning from the past generation and, like, seeing what makes sense and what we can, like, do without. Even when I'm looking, like, like I remember having a conversation with Christian that, like, when eventually when he gets older he's going to start to see, like, again, like I'm, I don't like saying that I'm a perfect person. Cause I'm, maybe I'm not, maybe there's some things where I think that it is the best decision for the moment, but then maybe I look back and I'm like, ah, dear, I could have done a better job or whatever. Same thing with my dad. Like I love my dad, but there's definitely a lot of things. There's a lot of things that he done that I like. I'm so glad that he's done. But then there's also a lot of things where I just felt like you could have done without that or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, I told to like Christian as well. So it's like when you grow up, when you have kids or whatever, you know, I just like. I don't want you to uh, like. I'm not perfect. I'm pretty sure that you're gonna have an idea of how parenting should be done. That's probably better than me or whatever. And I think, yeah, for each generation, we got to put our um, we got to put our ego aside Mm. and understand that, like, you know, we're we're supposed to raise our children to become better than us.
0: Yeah. So talking about ego, there's like one subject that I feel like hits home for a lot of people, especially creators like you and I, and you recently made a video about it talking about imposter syndrome, Mm. Um, which, man, it's pretty crazy that like, we have our own brains and we have the ability to create our own thoughts and the thoughts that we create sometimes are to our own detriment. It's, It's a wild thing. So can you explain to people First, let's talk about what is imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm.
1: Imposter syndrome is that feeling that you get when you just feel like you're not enough. Mm-hmm. Like you, just, you feel as though you are not like, I mean, I, I feel like a l- lot of people suffer from it. A lot of pe- a lot of great, talented people suffer from it um, because, yeah, because I think that what they're trying to do is they're trying to prove themselves or they're trying to get themselves in a certain, like, you know, Merit that they just feel as though they're not like ready to do that yet, and um that's something that I deal with a lot, so like for me, people keep on saying that oh, you're a really great like comedy content uh writer, um even like like oh you have like four million like follower f- four million subscribers on YouTube, five million you know and I, like I see the numbers and stuff like that, but at the same time, I'm just like, but do I Do I like to call myself a comedian? Like I don't even have a comedian background. Like I, like like I worked for the government. You know, Mm -hmm. like that's my that's my background. I worked for the government. I was a UX designer, and now I decided to get into comedy, like online uh sketch comedy. Now people are saying like, oh, you're just as good as. Key and peel. You're just as good as Dave Chappelle, and I'm just like slow your roll. All right, I'm to doing this shit because I don't know. I, I, I want to
0: push back on that a little bit, though. The same lesson from this grandma: when someone gives you a compliment, even if you don't agree with it, say thank you because they're talking about how they feel about you not how you feel about yeah. you.
1: Yes, definitely. Yeah that that is <laughs> that is true. I mean, I do say thank you. I do. I, I do appreciate it so much. Just make sure. I, I just make sure
0: you're not like. But you should also not do that to yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, like what benefit do you get from shutting yourself down like that? What, what, why would you do that to yourself? Answer that question. Why would, why would that be your first reaction?
1: It's not one of the things that I just like, I I don't like doing it to myself. Like I really do not like telling myself because I know that I have the ability to do it. You know, I'm, I'm aware that I have the ability to do it, but I think, I think imposter syndrome stems from who people look up to, Mm. I guess. Comparison Um, is the thief of joy. It is. It definitely is. So like when I compare myself to like a lot of people who are just like, like, for example, I do, I write sketch comedy, but I do not want to do stand up at all. Like I still have social anxiety in terms of going up <laughs> yeah. in, in front of a, you know, like fuck no. I don't. My literal to do that. nightmare. Was, <laughs> yeah. So, but when I see like people like Andrew Schultz or like Trevor Wallace and stuff and the, like they're, they're content creators too, but they're also, they also like, you know, sell out shows and stuff. And I see them and I'm just like, they're so freaking amazing. They're like, you know, um, and I guess, that's what that i guess when i think about the things that i don't have that's when i'm like imposter syndrome mm. like kicks in a lot you know um and one of the things i've got to continue to practice is just being like like ju- just counting the blessings that i have counting the, the fact that like i'm able to do this full time you know Like, and it's like i've created a lot of viral content you know um and you know it, it's just kind of remembering those things continuing to remember the things that I've achieved. So then I can, you know, be like, no, I do have what it takes to like write my own show or whatever, you know?
0: Yeah, the, the, when you were in therapy, did you cover cognitive dissonance? Can you? Um, so a, so a cognitive th- dissonance is like example, black and white thinking. Like think mm-hmm. it's, it's this or it's this or catastrophizing. Your brain goes to like worst case scenario. But is mm-hmm. it true? Is it true? It could be, but mm-hmm. most of the time yeah. it's not. So if you want, I can send you my, uh, so I did what's called cognitive behavioral therapy. That's an aspect. I did mm-hmm. EMDR, which is about trauma. And then I did cognitive behavioral therapy. So I have these list mm-hmm. of questions uh, that I ask myself when I get into that mindset that like, um, it's kind of like, a, you. it's almost like a defeatist attitude. Like you're trying to like, almost like dull your own shine or whatever mm-hmm. and um th- here's some of the questions that that I was like yeah. how do i know if this thought is accurate here's the one mm-hmm. that messes me up the most so say you're thinking like awful things about yourself is this thought helpful mm-hmm. and i think it's really just about disrupting that thought process before you allow it to kind of mm. entrench cuz you i mean you know as well as me once you kind of start that spiral once it gets to a point it's like it's almost like too late at that point in time and you're kind of committed yeah. to it so disrupting yeah. that thought process cuz man I, I i i love that you're humble and i love that you uh do a lot of like self work but i feel like you could also like celebrate yourself a bit more cuz i don't even know mm. you and i'm impressed with you so i can even imagine what people who follow you because I'm a new follower to you, but people who follow you for a long time think about you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. We got to encourage each other, man. Always. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think what I, the way I learned, cause I
1: have, I have a lot of hobbies, right? So again, like, like, Comedy sketch writer some, is something new to me. Um, I used to like breakdance. Um, I used to... What, else? what don't gotta, you do?
0: How about that? Why don't we start?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I like doing a lot of things. And it takes... What I've learned is that it takes some time to like... you know, Especially when, in the breakdance scene, right? So I apply a lot of what I've learned in the breakdance scene into what I'm doing now. And with the breakdancing, it's, it's very... Um, it's very competitive, it's very like alpha like. It's very like, you know, and it also requires like, like, um, hours and hours and hours of practicing just like one specific move that you need to like, and then like, and then there's like art to it and stuff. And like, so like for me, I remember back when I was, uh, when I, when, back when I was, uh, breakdancing, I used to practice till like 2 a.m., like every single day or whatever. And, um, sometimes I just tell myself that I'm not like good enough or whatever. So then like I try, but, eventually i prove myself in the jams where like i get in and i i like you know beat a few people or whatever and then i like i have a sense of confidence in myself like okay now i know where i rank in terms of like you know um uh skill level yeah yeah in terms of skill level so um i guess like that's the same kind of mindset when it comes to doing like online comedy it's still new to me and i feel like there's like I don't have a sense of foundation of whatever I'm doing. Like I'm not, I didn't go to school for this. Um, I, I just literally just riffing off of whatever I'm doing. And now people are just saying that like, you're such a really great writer or whatever. I'm just trying to understand like, where is that? What does that
0: mean? Or whatever. It means I like Um, what you do, you know, and fuck school, man. Like I I always, so I've, I've been a singer my whole life. Right. And, Mm -hmm. uh, I, I went to school initially for a vocal performance degree, right? Yeah. And my, and I was in a vocal lesson, cause I sang opera all through college, right? I was in a vocal lesson and my vocal coach was like very straightforward with me. And he was like, why are you a vocal performance major? And I was like, well, I love to sing. He's like, then go sing. It's like, but you don't mm. need a degree in it. If I'm going to audition for a role, And I'm better than someone who got schooling. They're not going to pick the person who has schooling. They're going to pick the person who's better. And sometimes you just have these innate abilities and you you seem to have that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that's something that I'm just like convincing myself that like, yeah, you don't need to go to school for a lot of things. You don't need to go to school for art. I feel like, in fact, me having an art degree, I've learned that like the school just kind of like wants you just to say that they taught you. Like, you know, <laughs> like you obviously have the skill, so that's why they invite you You're in like there. A but like, yeah, exactly. It's just like, oh yeah, we taught freaking Picasso, you know, like yeah, that, that's why we're such an like you didn't freak you just had this like innate talent that you guys exploited or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um but uh Yeah, I mean yeah, that that that's a challenge that I'm um dealing with right now. Like it, it's it's more so about like it's just kind of unbelievable of how different my life is now compared to like two years ago. Cause again, like I used to work for the government. I worked in a cubicle. Um, You know, I I studied art and graphic design and UX design, like all throughout my college and stuff and had like five, six years of my belt doing it. So it's just like, okay, I guess this is my life and this is how I'm going to die. But now that I'm like 30 years old, I'm in my thirties and I'm like changing my career path. And like, I guess you don't hear that much. That like people, sometimes when you hear that you're in your thirties, that's when like, You know, you you already know the direction of where your life is going to go. So right now I feel like I'm kind of like restarting my career path again. Mm -hmm. But Um, you're
0: taking all of those experiences and they're guiding where you're going now. So it's just like, it's just another chapter, but it's the same book. Yeah. All those skills build up like. I was uh, I did music videos for a long time but I was I was a production assistant on music videos. So like mm-hmm. I got to work on really cool music videos. I mean, I was a huge Usher fan. I got to work on Love in This Club. Mm-hmm. I got to work on 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 uh, Glamorous by Fergie and Ludacris. Like I got to work on some uh was uh, I'm Throw by Paul Wall was my favorite one. Paul Wall <laughs> is incredible. Um and i never i didn't i didn't know how i was going to use that and then i went into and then i went into making my own music videos and i could take those lessons so i'm sure there's ways mm-hmm. that you're taking that time and those skills previously and oh, applying yeah. them now yeah
1: yeah yeah with like user experience that deals with a lot of like talking to users about how they use the product and just like understanding from like like a non a a new no BS mindset of like okay what do you think about this product is it actually working tell me your steps and stuff it's and I I, I think I take that same mindset into my videos and I think that's the reason why my videos go viral is because I start to, I, I understand the the viewers perspective of what they see like okay you know in the beginning first five seconds this is how they captures their their you know how to capture their their attention and how to con- how to continue to keep the attention going and then I also like take that analytics you know. And it's like, it's like, I kind of go in with a non-biased mindset. That's just like, you know, is this actually good? Is it not? Don't, you're not going to hurt my feelings. I just want to see, you know, how people are interacting with this um, thing. And yeah, I just, I just learn as I go.
0: What Um, if you wrote like a little thing that people could like get from, that could be a way for you to generate revenue with your mindset is like, teach people those things, mm, something that's downloadable for people because people are looking for that man. Like I speak to young people a lot and for the last seven, eight years, the number one answer for what kids want to be when they grow up is what we do. They want to be a YouTuber, mm-hmm. an influencer of some sort. Yeah. So maybe that could yeah. be a way for you to like share your knowledge, but also generate some revenue.
1: Yeah. 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 It takes time I to know, do it, but I like, know, yeah, I, I, know a, <laughs> I know a friend of mine said like, yeah, you should create a whole um, class on Udemy on just like how to create like TikTok videos or how to create sketches and stuff. And yeah, I guess I'll eventually. I think that that's an idea to to dive into. Um, I'm just
0: trying to make you money, man. You're putting all this effort in. Oh, we no, need to make more money. No, I feel you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I feel you, man. I feel like in this in this uh, in this career, there's so many different ways to make money. You can teach people. Yes. You can Create merch. Create videos. Sponsorship. It's crazy, and that's what I love about this. That's what I love about this job. Is like you create your own path. Mm-hmm. You know. It's a lot more free free than like, you know, working in the nine to five job and, you know, you get your raise every year or whatever. And I don't know. I feel like I can get old easily.
0: <laughs> I remember, <laughs> I remember when, uh, so, I mean, I was on YouTube before Google bought it. So there was no money. You just did it for funsies. And I remember, yeah. uh, do you know who Phil DeFranco is? Yeah, yeah so yeah. phil and i've been friends for a long time because we kind of came up together in the in the same era oh, wow. and we're in the yeah. we're actually in the fantasy football league together i beat him last week like no like anyway <laughs> uh i remember he was one of the first youtube partners and that first year they actually gave the creators a salary for the year instead of doing it like mm-hmm. ad revenue yeah. and i remember him walking up to me and he was like i'm gonna make a hundred thousand dollars this year and i laughed at him and now look at he's a millionaire and there's several millionaires mm. probably billionaires out there who cr- it's crazy how much this space has grown and the possibilities just keep growing and growing and growing oh, it's yeah. pretty amazing
1: and it's like getting out of that mindset now for a lot of people that like you know b- before in blew up, before content creation blew up you know like nine to five was the thing to go everyone go to college everyone get their degree feed the monster get the job yeah and then you're just gonna like that's how you live your life but like yeah this is people need to realize that this the industry of like making money is just completely different now you know i did not think that like for me to say that i'm gonna quit my job to do tiktoks just sounds really <laughs> stupid.
0: wild you know? man People are like you do what people are still asking yeah, that question like, you do what for a living i was like i've been doing this full time for 12 years where have you been <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah like i was i was in my wedding and like i was talking to like my wife's friends and they said like so like do you like what's what's your um real job or whatever i'm like oh, this is my job
0: that qu- so my friend do you know who mystery guitar man is no so no, no. he was like one of the first creators to hit a million on youtube uh way mm. back in the day like he hit a million in like 2010 so he's mm. he was an early adopter um he got interviewed on cnn by I remember it was Don Lemon was interviewing him and I was watching it live and Don said, I wish I could just sit in my, in my pajamas and make videos and make money. And it was so disrespectful to the amount of work it actually takes. It's not (laughs) like you just sit around and become popular. You really have to grind at it. But I think the mindset on that has shifted a little bit, hopefully. And this was like, you know, YouTube was four years old. You know, so. yeah,
1: yeah. Two thousand people ne- never no. thought once about like making this an actual career. No. When people start, when people start hearing like, yeah, that like, oh yeah, these people are doing YouTube. You know, uh, I guess it like you hear a lot of like bitter like comments that just like, oh, they're not, that's not a real job. They're probably going to lose their job. And the next. like, if, if YouTube ever closed down, that's it for them. You know?
0: I mean, no but, one who's happy is making that kind of commentary on other people. Yeah. So I just kind of let them. Yeah. Okay. Well, have fun. I'm going to go do, that. do everything that you said I can't. You're, thank you. <laughs> so if people are inspired by you and they want to reach out to you, where's the best place for them to do it?
1: Uh, I'd say reach out to me on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I like check my DMs and stuff. Um, and it's rich, like black rich black guy.
0: guy. Yeah, rich black. Yeah, guy. rich
1: black guy on Instagram. Also on YouTube. I tried to get rich black guy on YouTube, but I don't. It's just rich guy. And then on TikTok, rich black guy. And I'm also on Snapchat. I just got verified on Snapchat.
0: Is that, I, that when people I don't can even... subscribe?
1: Uh, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Because yeah. I haven't used Snapchat, but I went on and I went to add my friend there because I was I mean, I was early for everything and I kind of stopped using Snapchat. My friend's like, I have to yeah. subscribe to you. I was like, I don't know what that means.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm still
0: trying to figure it
1: out. And I don't even know why they like, I don't even use it like that. But now I'm trying to figure it out.
0: Bro, the revenue but on there here is stupid. The revenue is ridiculous. If you learn, teach me how I don't have to make yeah. a course. Just teach me. <laughs> <laughs> Help. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to fund this thing. I had to, I actually quit a bunch of things that made me money to focus on this that makes me no money because it makes me happy and mm, yes. uh, that's it's very uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, I mean as long as you're doing what you
0: love, man. Yeah. yeah. I like I'm invigorated by these conversations. I think I, I hopefully you felt empowered by by it too. Like that's my whole purpose oh. is to like Oh no, I love I love one-on-one
1: conversations. I love just learning, you know, different people and just like seeing how they think and stuff like yeah this was very invigorating i'm glad i was here yeah
0: this was good well let's stay in touch and yeah
1: <laughs> yeah definitely thank you man
0: thank you so much rich for being on unfiltered friends i loved that by the end we knew a hundred percent why we were connected to each other if you enjoyed what he had to say and you were inspired by him make sure you reach out also this is an independently funded podcast if you want behind the scenes handwritten letters group chats get to watch me edit what you're listening to right now. Go to Patreon, patreon.com slash unfiltered friends. And until next week, this was Unfiltered Friends.